Hey Slingers, welcome to another Solo Slinger episode, and today, perfect is the enemy of good. Find out what I'm talking about next. Hey, you're looking for a jump on your own indie author career, but kind of confused about where to start? I got the place for you. Check out Draft to Digital. That's where you're going to be able to convert your manuscript, distribute it worldwide online, and get help the whole way from the best author support there is. Trust me on this one. So go check out Draft to Digital at drafttodigital.com slash wordslinger. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. Well, I am Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Thanks so much for tuning in to another Word Slinger podcast. This is another Solo Slinger podcast. I just That really, that's uh, just a fancy name for It's just me, no interview. And uh, for those of you paying close attention, uh, <laughs> normally I have an interview uh, that goes live on Fridays. And these solo episodes typically go live on Wednesdays. Uh, I'm not committing to that schedule officially just because uh, there are going to be little times like times like today. When things kind of got out of hand and I wasn't able to record and post on the day of. Uh, largely this time due to the uh, U.S. holiday, Independence Day, July 4th. Uh, we had, you know, celebrations and everything going on. Karen and I didn't really do much, honestly. But <laughs> but there were some things that happened the day before, uh, which would be Wednesday. Uh, personal things, uh, little challenges I had to deal with. Uh, family-related stuff, uh, and then the holiday poured right into that. I was going to leverage the the holiday to uh, record another episode, and instead I decided to eat hot dogs and uh, watch crime shows. <laughs> a little bit of a recharge. Uh, sorry about that. No, so no. How, here I am, um, the day after. Normally, I would uh, post an interview, but I had something I really wanted to talk about this week because. It's been a big part of my publishing strategy for so long now um, that it's just automatic for me, and it's kind of controversial. But I, I, well, and when I say controversial, I mean I have had people <laughs> just have a visceral reaction to the very concept of what I'm about to share. Um, I've had people leave nasty reviews um, on my books. I've had people write entire articles featuring me and <laughs> featuring this process on sites like medium um trashing both <laughs> so people can be weird um and i've had people at, at conferences who just hated everything about this idea this could be you <laughs> you could despise what i'm about to talk about but um it is a, it's a great, it's been a great process for me to really knock out work pretty quickly, get better as I go, um, improve quite a bit as I go. And, uh, and now I don't really get the kind of comments I used to get when I first started. So here, the idea I'm going to talk about here is iterative publishing, which if you came in from the title of this episode, you knew that right away. Uh, and I'll talk about what that is. The, the quote, and I built the quote into the title of the episode as well, and I said it just as we opened up. Uh, the quote is, uh, perfect is the enemy of good. 
I've also heard people say it as perfect is the enemy of done, uh, which is also true. The original quote came, we, people sort of attribute it to Voltaire. <laughs> so, um, you can go and look it up quite a bit about this, but, um, the idea is that, uh, focusing on perfection will be detrimental to you in, in the uh, creative process in creating new work. Um, now what's interesting is in, in uh, doing just a quick bit of spot research to find out and to make sure I knew who said the quote and, or who said it first, at least, um, I came across the Wikipedia article, which you should probably check out. And one of the things it talks about that I never even considered. Uh, so it talks about how uh, Aristotle and Confucius and some other, as Wikipedia uh, labels them, classical philosophers, uh, had a prince. They came up with the principle of the golden mean, uh, which is uh, you, you've probably heard that term used before. Um, and then there was the idea of the Pareto principle. Uh, or what some people call the 80-20 rule. <clears throat> and these things all play into uh, this exact concept. So here's the deal. In a nutshell, uh, as we define it here, iterative publishing is creating, first, the very best work you can create with the resources you have, and then publishing. And that does not mean you've finished your manuscript, you've done zero editing, and you post it online. It means you've finished your manuscript, you've done as much editing as you are capable of doing, you've hired people if you were capable of hiring them, you've done all the things to produce this book um, to, the, to the best of your ability. That includes cover design, uh, editing, uh, you know, uh, whatever, <laughs> formatting, <laughs> all these things. <laughs> so you've, uh, you've done the very best you can do with the resources you have, and only you are going to be able to judge this. Okay, <clears throat> this sounds familiar, I'm sure, because I talk about this all the time. But now we're going to quantify this as a uh, as a technique, as a process. Um, so the idea here is to, to get the book as ready as you're capable of getting it right now and making it live. Don't wait to ship. Uh, Steve Jobs is famous for saying, real artists ship. And by ship, in this case, we mean publish. Um, publish and get your work out there. <clears throat> and like I said, and I'm sorry, here, I'm going to pause and uh, I'm going to mute and clear my throat. You are welcome, because <laughs> I already coughed in your once. So um, here's the here's the idea. You um, you're not just throwing this out there and forgetting about it. The idea of iterative publishing is you're going to come back and improve this as you go. So the hopefully as you're producing work you are improving on the resources you have. Okay, so let's just, uh, let's just use a sort of bare bones skeletal analysis of this whole thing. You write the book, you get it to the best shape you can get it in. Let's just say that you don't have the resources to hire anyone to make your cover or um, edit your work or do the layout. And so you have to figure out ways to do that yourself. We've talked about ways to do the, just that sort of thing uh, in the episode on uh, bootstrapping your author career. So go to wordslingerpodcast.com, search for that on the, uh, the, the podcast page, and you'll find that episode. Um, you've, so you're bootstrapping your career by using free resources and things like that to create your cover, do your editing, and do your layout, among other things. So you've used those, and let's say that you've published that book and you start getting a readership. 
And then somebody writes and says, um, hold on, I'm going to mute again. I am sorry about that. I know I could edit this out, but <laughs> it doesn't seem more like we're having a conversation across the table when you get to hear me choking and coughing and drinking water like this. Mm. It's intimate. Uh, so, <laughs> and I'm sorry for those of you who hate that sort of thing, I know. Uh, so the the idea here is you've produced the book at the best and highest quality you're capable with the resources you have, but you're going to come back to it as you as your resources grow. So in our scenario, you put the book out and you get some readers. A reader uh, either leaves a review or emails you. Hopefully they email you. You don't want to. Do not use the reviews as a conversation. Do not ever use your the reviews on Amazon to co don't ever comment on a review, good or bad. Just don't do it. If you're able to reach out to the person somehow outside of Amazon, uh, fine. But do not do not respond, and engrave this in your in your brain so that it can't be ignored. Do not respond to reviews online. <laughs> it will never go well. It will never go well. Even if you get some buddy buddy love from whoever it is that you're talking to, it's going to work against you. <clears throat> Just trust me on this. Uh, if you don't trust me on this, I'll talk about this more in another episode. Um. So. You've got your good enough version of the book. Good enough meaning uh, you've gotten it to a point where it's it's at the highest quality you're able to produce. Someone writes you and says, hey, I found a bunch of typos. What is this BS or whatever? So what you can do at that point is invite that person to get on your, I call them my street team. But you can make them your beta readers. You can make them your editing team, whatever you want to call these folks. And the deal would be. Uh, come on board and I will send you, <clears throat> every time I write a new book, I will send you a free copy of the book. And then you help me out by helping me find those typos and errors. And then you take what they give you and you go back to your uh, source document, you correct it, you spit it back out as an ebook, and you put it back online again. So it's iterative publishing, meaning you iterate, you improve as you go. Uh, now, oh, sorry, you heard me say you're putting your good enough version online. Uh, this is the part where I usually lose folks <laughs> or they get mad at me um, because some people have this, I believe, misguided belief that a book has to be absolutely perfect before you can show it to the world. When you have the resources to do that, that I think that's fine. I think, I think you should always perform up to your resources. Okay, up to your capabilities. If you are a terrible at cover design, um, and so you use Canva to make your cover, there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. But you should be working toward um, putting back the money to pay someone to design a cover, or alternatively, you could go and start, you know, taking courses and learning how to do, you know, high-end graphic design yourself. Uh, but let's just face it. It's just, it's just a little, that's probably not what you want to do. Like that's, that's outside of the, uh, sort of the purview of the work that you're trying to do. Right. So, so just, uh, work on putting some money back and hiring somebody, but the Canva cover will be just fine. It's good enough, right? It looks professional enough, you know, could probably be better, but it's going to look professional enough. Uh, 
you you know you can use layout software like Vellum if you can afford Vellum, or you can use free software like Draft Digital's uh, free layout tools to to lay out your book and format your book. Um, that is fine. I mean, I use that. I use Vellum, <laughs> but I would use Draft Digital if I if I couldn't afford Vellum. I would I would use Draft Digital's formatting tool. Um, so you know you don't have to pay anybody for formatting. Just use use the tool. Uh, there's no shame in that game. And same goes with uh, editing. You know, as soon as you can f- afford to pay someone to edit for you, then go out and get yourself an editor who will help you find t- typos, find lo- logistical problems with the book. You know, all the things, the developmental editing stuff. You know, you can just Im- just keep adding to your resources over time. And it's always worth the investment. If you start, you know, investing in better tools, you can leverage those tools to create more work later. Some of you may not be writing series, may not be writing multiple books. I understand this. The iterative process still works for you because you'll improve the book that you have. Okay. Um, Until it's perfect. I mean, eventually it it may well be perfect. I'm going to tell you, though, I haven't come across a perfect book yet. (laughs) For, I'm nearly 47 years old. I've read a lot of books. I've I've yet to find a perfect, flawless book. And uh, at this stage of my life, I'm kind of starting to think I don't want to. <laughs> How boring would that be? <laughs> Honestly, if you think about it, I mean, perfection can be kind of boring. You know, uh, it has its glorious moment in the spotlight and then you're done. Nowhere to go after perfection. So, um but anyway, I know that a lot of people, especially when it comes to like grammar and uh, typos and that sort of thing, are, are kind of obsessed. My advice to you is um, go ahead and put in the time to get that thing as, as good as you can get it, as polished as you can make it. Um, but if you keep, the more you focus on that, the, uh, the longer it's going to take you to get that book out there and eventually you're not going to get it out at all. And that's where the slight uh, change to the quote <laughs> saying that perfect is the enemy of done. That's where that comes in. Um, <clears throat> you should, so this this whole idea, by the way, it's not meant to get any feathers ruffled. What it's meant to do, and it's not meant to put subpar work out on the market either. Uh, what it's meant to do is uh, produce a body of work that represents, you know, your skill set and your skill level with the, with the sort of commitment that you're going to come back and improve that over time. So I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> okay, this and it's kind of funny, but I, I've got about you know forty thousand people on my on my author mailing list. Okay, and <clears throat> excuse me, um, I I'd been getting uh, reviews, like three star reviews for Quelo Medallion. It's the first Dan Collar thriller. Uh, I've gotten some recently that complained about the editing, and it would always go something like this. Uh, they'd never give me a one-star, which I found very encouraging. I've gotten one or two one-star reviews on that book. <clears throat> so I'm so sorry I keep coughing in your... Um, but they, what they would say is, you know, this is a great book, kept me up all night, read through the whole thing. I couldn't, couldn't really put it down, but I, I sometimes I wanted to because I kept running across you know, typos and, and editing errors. This book just really needs a good editor. You know, uh, sometimes they were a little more insulting than that. Um, now see the deal with that book is it was the first, it was kind of an experiment. I hadn't yet written thrillers or anything. 
uh, I got it to a good enough uh, state for the for the resources I had at the time, and I put it out. And so it had some flaws. Some of those flaws uh, were kind of kind of bad. You know, missing words, wrong word choice, and not wrong word choice, but sometimes just a a similar sounding you know word, that sort of thing. Um, things that I've gotten better about over time, and. Now I have a much better editing process. I get a lot fewer of those kind of complaints with my current books, right? In fact, I actually get emails from people who've read my, my books from the beginning who tell me um, that they're really impressed that you know they're not seeing that kind of stuff as much anymore. Uh, it's it's becoming more and more rare. Okay, so that's the whole iterative process at work. Um, now what I've done is I've gone back and periodically updated. Quelo medallion, and I, I really thought I had it all licked, um, but I didn't. Uh, there was clearly some flaws still in the book. I was still getting those reviews. So what I did was I reached out to my list and I said, "Hey, the book is free right now because it was it was during a, a promo, the uh, the J A Conrath promo actually that I told you about a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> it was um, free for a few days." And so I said to my list, hey, if you haven't read it already, there's a good chance to get it for free. Um, and I would really appreciate it if you'd help me find and fix any typos that you find. Like, just just send me an email with a list of typos. <laughs> so uh, 40,000 people on this list. Did I mention this part? <laughs> so I got no fewer than 3,000 responses with, uh, from people um, over the course of the next couple of weeks with typos they were finding. Some folks were sending me an email every every time they found an, 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 uh, an error, one at a time. So I might have someone sending me a 100 emails <laughs> multiplied by like 3,000. So, uh, so you could see this got out of hand really quickly. So I eventually I sent another email and I said, hey, thank you all so much for your support. For, you know, me and Dan Kotler both thank you. Um, I I underestimated how just generous everyone is, and I've gotten three thousand plus emails. So um, if you you know if you haven't started looking the book yet or whatever, this, you know you can don't worry about it. I've, I think I've got enough to cover it. Of course, that led to um, thousands of emails saying, Hey, okay, no problem. Uh, glad you got some help. And, uh, I, here's the errors I did find. And <laughs> so, uh, but that, you know, live and learn, right? I, I have lived and now learned. Um, don't send an email to 40,000 people asking them to spot your typos. Uh, what I should have done is just go to the street team. I already had and said, Hey, look guys, I know you've all read this book already. Uh, probably some of you came in after the release of this book. So, you know, do me a favor, go take a look at it, and I'll I'll find a way to reward you for the experience. Um, I should have done that. <laughs> I would have, would have benefited a great deal more. Uh, but you know, that's part of this process. In is that uh, because of this experience, I have now learned more about my list, more about what you know how people think it's interesting. Some of the errors that people did send me, uh, weren't actually errors. Like one, uh, very nice reader sent me a list of every time the font changed in the book. And by font change, she counted like the little, you know, 
few words at the beginning of a chapter or the beginning of a scene that I that were all, you know, uh, uh, small capped, you know, or uh, italics. <laughs> so she just sent me every time that the font wasn't uh, strictly Courier or whatever uh, New Times New Roman or whatever the book was uh, was in, you know, whatever format it was in on her reader. Um, one person sent me a really long letter describing that he, you know, the fact that he was a newspaper editor in a retired newspaper editor. And here's what he does. Here's what he would do for me and how much he would charge me, etc. And, you know, I'm not above paying for editors. I've done it in the past, but, um, you know, it was kind of a harsh demand kind of thing. <laughs> like he was basically dictating to me, like it will be done on this timeline. And if you can't accept that, then, you know, deals off kind of thing. <laughs> like, I really appreciate your feedback, but uh, I think I've gotten enough, uh, enough of errors. Um, so, you know, live and learn. Um, now this is, um, what's been interesting. Now I've now corrected that. This is like the third time I've corrected this book, by the way. So this book was early in, in my, not early in my career, but it was kind of early in this new process that I use. <clears throat> and so, like I said, it was experimental. There are lots of little flaws in the book, but it's gotten a lot better. And it's going to continue to get better. Because I, I have thousands and thousands of emails with uh, typos. And uh, I've fixed a lot. A lot of them were in common, but some are not. So I'm going to just you know, make it a hobby to every now and then pick, pick one of the uh, emails and uh, go f searching for flaws and see what I find. Um, and, uh, you know, over time, my expectation is that that book is going to improve quite a bit. The, and it needs to, right? I mean, it's not, this, this process of good enough, it's not about putting something out there <clears throat> forever in whatever state it's in and never coming back to it. We have a unique opportunity as indie authors to do something that really just cannot be done by the traditional publishing world. And that is, and I'm sorry, I am all like a wreck right now. My throat is just going crazy. Um, phlegm, everyone. Um, but uh, we have this opportunity that, you know, most writers in the traditional world are never going to have, which is to go back and fix mistakes. I have talked to uh, traditional authors at conferences and over the podcast and things like that who have told me, um, yeah, there's... I get readers who email me about this one typo, these or these four or five different problems with the book, and I just have to tell them like I can't. There's nothing I can do about it. Like the publisher, I can send the note to the publisher, and the publisher may fix it, but until they do another edition of the book, it's just going to stay that way. Whereas indie authors can go right after they get that email, fix it, re-upload, and it's done. So, <laughs> advantage ours. Um, and that is, uh, that's one of the strengths of being an indie author is our ability to pivot. There's a lot of criticism of indie authors self-publishing um, that, you know, there are articles out there like, you know, self-publishing is destroying publishing or destroying literature or it's bringing down the quality of books. Uh, you got groups like... Uh, Science Fiction Writers of America or whatever, uh, the, the Nebula Award folks criticizing indie publishing 
uh, you know, talking about it, bringing bringing things down, bunch of scammers, etc. Uh, that is not the that is not the industry I know. You know, the the folks that I know are folks like you who are good good people who just want to produce stories that entertain or or produce nonfiction book that informs or inspires. Uh, all those good wordslinger podcast uh, tenants, but. Um, how we get to that next level is paying attention to the quality of our work uh, and come, making sure that we do come back and fix it. And that's what iterative publishing really is. It's about coming back, knowing that this is a living, breathing piece of work. Now, I've had, I've had reviewers, because uh, I'll write this in the back of a book, like, hey, I use this iterative publishing technique, so if you find typos, you know, they're going to be fixed. Um, I used to put this one note in there that had, uh, my typo reporter, which I may put back in cause I think it's useful, but I had, uh, at least one reviewer, you just rake me over the coals for, for that idea. I do not agree with this idea of publishing a book before it's ready. Um, and I've had people write that in those medium articles, things like that. You know, the, the author is really just lazy. Uh, this is just an excuse. This is just lazy publishing, etc. Publishing a book before it's ready. Uh, who says whether a book is ready, though? Honestly. Uh, if readers read and enjoy a, a, a book <laughs> and leave a positive review, that book was ready. And uh, you can argue with me over that, but I, I'm going to win. Because <laughs> this, is, this is a game uh, where you win by getting readers. You win by making readers happy. And if I did that, then the book was ready. If I paint, if I'm, if I create a painting, you know, no one ever questions whether a painting is ready, right? It's, it's, it is the art flaws and all the artist creates and they put that art out there. There is no, you know, and they can't even go back and change anything, but it's, you know, interpreted to be good by its audience. And that's what, that's what these books are. Uh, now, when it comes to nonfiction, you've got a, an obligation to accuracy, and uh, sometimes depending on the type of work you're creating, um, you're going to want to make sure that you uh, that you get everything is you know right. Your references are correct. Your you know the verbiage you're using is correct. That sort of thing. You got a lot more leeway as a fiction writer, but nonfiction, it's important to make sure those things are right. Um, that is a slightly different animal, but the the process is the same. Because, frankly, I have a book, 30-Day Author, that I plan to go back and, and tweak and update. Uh, and I was, I was thinking, well, maybe I'll just do a whole new edition, and I probably will. Uh, but for the most part, I just want to make sure that you know, the information I'm presenting is still accurate. And that is still useful. Well, I can do that. And there's no real overhead to doing that. I don't even have to... I, and I'll call it a new edition. I'll even number it as a new edition, but it's going to be the same, essentially the same listing and everything on Amazon and elsewhere. Um, just updated. So uh, technically, anybody who already owns the book could delete it from their device and re-download it and get the new version, <laughs> which is fine. That's I love that idea. So, uh, but there, you know, there, I have an obligation with that book to make that book. Uh, you know, maybe not typo free, but to make sure the information is correct. So that there there is a slight difference with that. Uh, but anyway, so that is the that's the gist of this this whole iterative publishing thing. Uh, 
what I want to emphasize is don't get so hung up on trying to get the work perfect that you never actually finish writing it or you never actually ship it, meaning publish it. Um, in 30 Day Author, I talk about this idea that you don't want to edit as you write. Now, I've, I've loosened up on this rule a little because initially it was never ever edit while you write. Write the whole book, then go back and edit it. I don't think that way anymore uh, because I think I've I've, uh, I've adapted um, Dean Wesley Smith's uh, looping. He doesn't call it looping. I call it looping. I don't remember what he calls it. (laughs) It's in, read his book, Writing into the Dark. Uh, Very much worth it. But uh, the idea of going back to the words you've already written and uh, editing those and then continuing on. I think that's a great way to approach it. And then I use an editing process that involves tools like Grammarly and Pro Writing Aid and Microsoft Word's uh, Grammar and Spell Check and you know Google Docs. I'm starting to kind of tinker around with Google Docs and using its tools. So you know, um, but uh, the idea here is you've got all the access to all this stuff. Don't try to make the book perfect. Uh, also in the book, I talk about how we were essentially brainwashed into thinking. We had to get it perfect on the first try. That's never been true. You, that's what editing and rewrites are for, to, to polish that work. So don't try, to, don't try for perfection. Try for uh, getting the work as good as you can possibly get it with the skills and resources and tools that you have. And I promise you, you'll finish more work. You'll get more work published. You'll find more readers. You'll do it all faster than you ever thought possible. And you'll be a lot happier as an author. <laughs> Easy peasy, right? So, uh, anyway, if you got questions, comments, whatever, uh, give me want to give me some feedback or follow up, uh, go to wordslingerpodcast.com. Look for this episode. It's episode 192. Uh, leave me a comment on that or hit the uh, contact button up in the menu and send me a little note. I'm, uh, I'm good with that. Uh, so, anyway... Hope you guys had a wonderful Independence Day if you're in the U.S. and otherwise a great July 4th everywhere in the world. God bless you. I'll see y'all next time. Hey, how you doing on money? I know that's a touchy subject, but uh, I got something that may help you out. See, I'm using an app called Acorns. And it helps me manage some investing, uh, put some money back, get a little interest. It's kind of nice to watch my money grow. So I want to share that with you. Go to kevintumlinson.com slash acorns and you'll get some free money. See you there. Slinger.